Thanks for joining us for our Seifarth Shaw Policy Matters podcast, The Mansion Principle, Fissures in the Democratic Caucus Threaten Biden's Legislative Agenda. I'm Scott Hecker, Senior Counsel in Seifarth's DC office. I'm a member of the firm's Labor and Employment Group with a focus on workplace safety, wage hour, and government relations and policy. Prior to joining the firm, I spent about 12 years in various positions with the USDOL's Solicitor's Office and Wage and Hour Division. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by my fellow Government Relations and Policy Group member and frequent podcast collaborator, Scott Mallory, L&E counsel in the firm's Sacramento office. Scott's an avowed policy wonk and former political consultant. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing, Scott? It's a pleasure to be there today. Yes, absolutely. A few weeks ago, uh, after President Biden was inaugurated, uh, you and I opined on this very podcast that the Georgia Senate elections might clear the way for the new president to more quickly implement his agenda. But more than a month into the Biden administration, it's hard to pinpoint too much substantive change. There's certainly been a great deal of executive action, uh, but many of the orders signed by President Biden are rescinding Trump policies or laying the groundwork for subsequent action rather than instituting you know, revolutionary progressive policies. I know you and the other Policy Matters newsletter authors have been waiting a while for real movement on the stimulus front, for example. Um, <laughs> so what slowed the velocity of change that some of us thought might be coming? Well, you know, I think that you probably have your ideas, and I, of course, have ideas. I think there are three big things that have kind of, that, that weren't, we, nobody could foresee, really, except for one of them. Uh, the first one is the vaccine distribution problem. Um, that has been a huge headache for the administration so far. There have been inaccurate estimates about how many vaccines they have, more sites are needed around states. Uh, they're having problems with utilizing the resources that they have, especially without the pandemic stimulus relief. So these things tend to be uh, related a little bit. But so that's taken up a lot of air uh, in this administration as they try to make sure that they're getting those vaccines distributed. I think the vice president has had a little bit more of a hand in that, uh, which just freed him up a little bit. But there are a couple other things that have slowed down the velocity of change. Um, the deep freezes in Texas. Uh, that also took up a number. Uh, that also took up a lot of space in in the White House and the Oval Office. Is that you know Biden declared national emergency. I'm sure he was on the phone with FEMA and local FEMA, and I'm sure that really also helped to slow down the velocity of change. Because without his specific involvement, you're not going to get the same kind of push that you would get from you know just normal processes that are happening. And the third one, which was a little bit foreseeable, but not to the extent, was the impeachment process, right? We, we, and if there were witnesses, it wouldn't have been even longer, right? But the sort of 24-hour media ecosystem that we have now, I watched the entire thing, and it was nothing but impeachment coverage on all of the major networks all the time, except for a little bit of Fox doing some other stuff a little bit. Um, but that really slowed things down, and it really took up space in the, again, there's three things now taking up space in the Oval Office that prevented President Biden from really pushing his agenda. I'm sure you have some thoughts on some other externalities, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the one thing that we were talking about around Georgia when those Senate elections happened was that, oh, now the Democrats can control the Senate, you know, because it was a 50-50 split, and you have Kamala Harris as the, the tie-breaking vote. Um, so, you know, the evenly divided Senate hasn't actually necessarily 
you know, not all Democrats have really fallen in line. And unless you're able to get a centrist Republican or two to cross over, that that sort of derails things. And that's only in the context of where you can pass something with 51 votes. Obviously, the filibuster is still with us. And that impact is is still there for most legislation. Um, yeah, so I think Scott, Chris and Cinema and Joe Manchin, who is the title of our podcast, have already said that they're not going to do away with the filibuster. So, you know, things could change, but we'll see. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, you mentioned the impeachment. There was a delay, you know, around that getting the power share agreement. So Republicans actually kept committee leadership positions yeah. for longer into the Biden administration, into the evenly divided Senate. Um, so, I mean, I guess on that point, what you know, what does the evenly divided Senate mean for some of the more contentious ideas in President Biden's agenda? I know you love the PRO Act. Uh, and, you know, part of that is the $15 per hour minimum wage, though I think we're still waiting on whether it can, you know, that might be included in a reconciliation. There's a lot going on with the minimum yeah. wage, and maybe that's a whole other podcast. But you know, <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts in general about kind of what this Senate, that 50-50 Senate split is is doing, how it's maybe part of holding things up. You know, since I love the PRO Act right now, maybe we'll just stick to that. <laughs> Indeed, okay. yesterday I, uh, I recorded a podcast with Kyan Kershaw, who's the national, the vice chair, I'm sorry, of our National Labor Management Practice Group. Um, and, you know, we talked about how the PRO Act is just, it's not going to get passed through the Senate as the Senate is currently compromised. Especially, you know, those big ticket persuader rules, labor provisions, ABC tests, joint employer. I just, I don't see any realistic path forward to it. It seems like it's almost like more of a political document and a lot of those changes are going to come through agencies such as we saw at the NLRB with the firing of the general counsel. So I think that the PRO Act is a, is a good sort of platform document almost for the Democratic Party in the labor space, but not necessarily designed to get through the process. Uh, as far as the minimum wage goes, there are so many different externalities being pressed on it right now. We don't know where Joe Manchin is. We don't know where Kristen Sinema, and most importantly is, we don't know where the parliamentarian is. And, and it all depends on if the parliamentarian says it can go through reconciliation, then Kamala Harris's 51st vote is gonna get that through. If the parliamentarian says it doesn't, then Ronald Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, says they're not gonna overrule the parliamentarian, so we're not gonna see it on, um, we're not going to see it unless the parliamentarian says it can get through reconciliation. So those are the problems with that 50-50 Senate is you're completely reliant on this sort of arcane process that is determined by what is actually an unelected official who's chosen to make this parliamentary decision. So it's very interesting, and we've seen the 50-50 split already come into, come into play with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Yeah, and they've actually, I mean, Manchin came out and suggested $11 an hour for a minimum wage. Cinema said she wouldn't vote for a $15 minimum wage in a reconciliation stimulus package. Tom Cotton and Mitt Romney have come out from the Republican side with a $10 proposal. So there's a lot floating around there. Even if, you know, if it somehow gets into the, the stimulus package, we'll see if everybody gets in line. If it doesn't, you know, there's going to be a bunch of competing proposals out there, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Democrats have their own proposal that's actually like called the Raise the Wage Act that's outside of the right. stimulus package. So right. even if it doesn't get through the stimulus package, I don't think that we're going to see the debate of the minimum wage go away anytime soon. 
Yeah, and even, I mean, President Biden said he doesn't think it's getting through reconciliation. So yeah. we'll see if the if his, the parliamentarian agrees with the president. Uh, we'll yeah. find out, you know, any minute now is what they keep saying, I think. Hey, but, they've been saying that since last night, Scott. <laughs> I know, since Tuesday, I feel like. But by the way, it's Thursday where we are, February yeah. 25th, just for people's uh, reference as they were yeah. at their convenience. Um, so, yeah, similarly, I mean, we have, you know, our, our personnel is policy uh, conversation that we that we regularly have here on the Policy Matters podcast and in the newsletter. Um, these nomination battles, uh, you know, we have OMB nominee Neera Tandon, who's got some issues. Manchin has said not going to support her. Uh, you know, you have sort of nominations that have turned into proxies for policy disputes like interior nominee Deb Haaland or yep. uh, your California AG. Uh, Xavier Becerra for HHS, um, you know, those folks are sort of out there. And in this 50-50, again, you know, how is that looking for for those folks? You know, it, it seems like some of these more moderate Democrats, because I've seen, they, at least my observation is that they've fallen in line more on the stimulus package and going through reconciliation. It seems to me that they're really trying to flex their muscle on these nomination process knowing that they only need 51 votes, or perhaps that they could vote no to signal that they're independent while knowing that a moderate Republican is going to come over to perhaps vote for them, right? So that's a possibility. Uh, I, I really think that these, uh, Neera Tannen's, unfortunately, I think that she's probably going to face some serious problems because I don't foresee any moderate Republicans coming over to vote for her after, I mean, the whole reason that she's being held up is because of accusations that she had levied against Republicans in the past. So, you know, I think that Deb Holland is a much more likely, uh, likely to get through. And I think Xavier Becerra probably eventually gets through too. But this 50-50 Senate thing is again, slowing down. And this is, the nominations are a prime example of how this 50-50 split Although it's fantastic to get things done, it has really slowed things down, especially in the nomination space. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, Secretary of Labor nominee Marty Walsh uh, cleared committee by bipartisan support, you know, I don't know, a week or more ago. And he's still sitting there having not gone to the floor uh, to get confirmed where he's, yeah, he's and controversial. Julie, too, the deputy commissioner of labor hasn't gotten a committee hearing and they haven't scheduled a committee hearing for her yet. Yeah. And I, I know that she is going to have a huge portfolio of policy preferences that she's going to be trying to implement at the DOL. So that, sure. that, that philosophy is slowing. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah. I, I recently read that there have been 268 tie-breaking votes cast by VPs throughout the Senate's history. Uh, interestingly, President Biden never cast one in his eight years as uh, President Obama's VP. But, I mean, how often do you think this is really going to come into play with, with Kamala Harris uh, as VP when, you know, we mentioned earlier, filibuster's still here? Yeah, well, I'll just mention really quickly, because I think we're running short on time, Scott, that I think that she's going to be a little bit more involved than Joe Biden was during the Obama presidency, especially if you think about the fact that this year, the Democrats are going to get two shots of reconciliation, which would require a Kamala Harris vote because the last term of the president, Donald Trump presidency, didn't didn't pass the budget. So, so I think that she's going to be more involved than, than Joe Biden was. Probably less than Mike Pence was, though. So we'll see. We will see. Well, Scott, thanks again uh, yep. for a great discussion. Always, always a pleasure. Um, thanks to our listeners for joining us on the Policy Matters podcast. 
Please check out all our content on the CIFARTH website, including our other Policy Matters podcasts and the Policy Matters newsletter. Uh, and reach out to your friendly neighborhood CIFARTH attorneys with any questions you have. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today on the CIFARTH Policy Matters podcast. So you'll never miss an episode, be sure to visit CIFARTH.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. While you're at it, we'd appreciate you sharing us with your colleagues on LinkedIn or your preferred social media.